Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Digital Voices, so glad that you're with me. One of the pleasures I have in hosting is not only uh, former friends and colleagues, but uh, former friends and colleagues that I really miss spending time with. So, uh, Will Conaway, welcome to uh, Digital Voices. Uh, thanks, Ed. Glad to be here today, and it's good to see you again. Yeah, likewise. You know, we we served together at Tech Mahindra Health and Life Sciences, and uh, we commiserated a lot in a good way and uh, <laughs> really did a lot of uh, cool things together and a lot of ideation and strategy. So I really miss uh, our time together and having sort of like a, a like-minded friend uh, to work with. So um, I'm glad we could connect, you know, here on this forum. Absolutely. Glad to be here. So, Will, before we jump in, I want to bring in our producer extraordinaire, Megan, and ask her a quick question. What, how does it feel like being in a top three percent podcast? Like you're the producer of a top three podcast in the world. We just found this out. Yeah, that's amazing. But but honestly, like given our audience and you and everybody that we we get to speak with, that's that's not surprising. I'm just, I'm along for the ride and I'm just so excited to be a part of the show. Yeah, I get the feeling the barrier is kind of low when they do the measurements of podcasts and how they get there. Come on, Ed, give us some credit. Credit where credit is due. If you have a podcast, you know, we did exceed 100 uh, episodes a while ago and, uh, you know, we're now we're headed towards 200. And I think uh, our longevity, I think podcasts, probably don't have a lot of longevity in a lot of episodes. And so I think that's very helpful. But I agree with you, Megan, having great guests like Will uh, really is a difference maker because the people listen to it because uh, there's really interesting uh, people like Will. Will, I was trying to think back when we first met. So we've both been in the industry for a while. And I don't know if we formally met until we served together at Tech Mahendra. Right? I don't think we did. I, don't, yeah. Yeah, I think that's the first time we met. And, and it's kind of weird because if you look at our circles, you know, we're both, you know, doing the same sort of things. And uh, you, you have a little bit more of a variety of a background and we'll get into that. But you would have thought at some point we would run into each other, but we didn't. But we quickly became friends at Tech Mahendra again. You know, we, we got to do some pretty incredible things and work on some some some, some neat strategies. And so uh, I've always appreciated you uh, uh, since then. So it's just only been like, I guess, three, three years, maybe four years. Yeah, yep, right so, well, I know you're a musician, so this will be a really interesting answer, but what sort of <laughs> songs are in your playlist? Oh, geez. I wasn't expecting that. Uh, you know, that's a good question and, and, and something, I guess, it says something about a person's personality. Um, you know, I've always been kind of an album person, Ed, and I tend to listen to uh, to a band uh, for a while, and then I, I listen to all their work. So, But I will say that's changed with Spotify, uh, which has made it much easier to listen to, uh, you know, a genre of music uh, one one song at a time, I'll say. Uh, I have to admit that my music taste, it's, it's a little all over the board at times. I've probably surprised people here. I'm currently listening to a lot of progressive metal. So I'm listening to Opeth, uh, Dream Theater, Fate's Warning, and Leprous. Uh, the, the progressive metal affinity was a, kind of a natural progression, I guess, for my kid. I, uh, when, I, when I grew up, uh, you know, I, I really loved listening to bands like Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, and Led Zeppelin, and Black Sabbath, and Rush, and, and so on. But I will admit, however, I enjoy listening to jazz guitar, and I normally have Wes Montgomery or Joe Pass or uh, Jim Hall on uh, during the weekend in the car. It's it's seriously uh, Sinatra on the satellite radio. Yeah, no, I, 
<laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's not, it doesn't surprise me that it's that uh, eclectic and varied. Um, as a musician, what kind of music did you normally play? Because you're a guitarist, if I recall correctly. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, metal. When I was young, it, uh, we were a very hard, hard uh, metal band, uh, kind of Megadeth, Metallica, Black Sabbath. Uh, but and, we were a little progressive. I always enjoyed the complicated uh, pieces. And you played at, at Whiskey A Go Go, right? I played there numerous times. I yeah. played most of uh, all the uh, all the bars on the strip at one time or another, and used to hang out at the Rainbow quite frequently. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool. Um, tell us about your uh, life passion or mission. Is there is there some sort of words that you live by or a quote that sort of inspires you and keeps you going? You know, I, I think that's changed with time. I don't know if I really have a quote or, or a mantra. Uh, I will say I, maybe the mantra would be, and, and th- this has changed drastically, you know, being in healthcare now for a while. And I like to ask myself, you know, how can I make a difference in someone's life? Because I think that's really what we're, we're here to do. And, you know, and I'll say that, that that's really what's driving me at this point. And I always tell the people I work with at Health IT that if you, you know, if you work in healthcare IT, you're part of the patient's uh, episode of care. And that's how you have to view it. Uh, I will say working on the vendor side of things for the past few years, I often feel that maybe I'm not doing enough. And that can actually push me in a positive direction to try new things or learn something new that um, I'm confident will help a healthcare system out. And as a vendor, I, I think you have to take a different approach. You have to, instead of saying that, you know, we're just a vendor, we have to partner with your clients and not just provide services and products. Yeah, that, that's a good point. You know, I struggled as well, especially during the pandemic. And I think we both did, right? Where we were former CIOs and we wanted to be in there, like doing stuff, helping save lives. And and we found ourselves on the vendor partner side. Um, and it's, it's a little different. But like you said, um, you can even potentially impact even more uh, yep. patients and, and more if you, if you have the right attitude and you, you, uh, you really take that partnering approach. So, yeah, yeah, obviously. So you get to work with a lot more systems. Yeah. Uh, I think that has led to, you know, more exercise, better eating and trying to take better care of myself. And I, I know the, uh, that's an important topic for you and yeah. you've got a, you know, a great and interesting story yourself and your, your health work ethic is just outstanding. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. That's, we, we both, uh, we both came to that place in our lives, right? And uh, realize how important that is and why we do do the things that we do. So, Will, share a little bit about your story because you've been, you've been in operational roles. You've been outside of uh, healthcare. Uh, tell us a little bit about your story and to where you are today. Oh, yeah. Now, there's a lot of twists and turns in my career, and they've always have involved operations and technology somehow. And, uh, you know, I started my career, as you noted, I wanted to be a musician and uh, just a few days after graduating uh, college, I left Kansas for California. I moved right to Los Angeles and uh, I have to say, thinking back, I must have looked a little like uh, the intro to the Beverly Hillbillies with my old Dodge fan, you know, loaded high and tight with nothing of value on board and the old Dodge blowing smoke out the exhaust pipe as I headed west. But, you know, looking back on that experience, I learned a, a lot of great things. And, uh, you know, I learned to work with other people, learned they had to be responsible uh, how to take criticism. And I always say that what I learned about criticism uh, being in a band is that never take criticism from someone you wouldn't ask advice from. Uh, also, I look at things in, uh, in the music business, which I, I your, your son could probably explain this better. And he, he seemed to caught it a lot faster than I did. But I didn't understand at that time it really was a business. And that, that really hurt. And, you know, something that's come to play often uh, for me is just how to perform in front of people. But I will say after that, I quickly moved into the auto industry, which is odd, uh, where I did everything I have to, to say from unloading rail cars to running massive facilities to being a COO of a pretty large company. So uh, 
that experience taught me a great deal about process, manufacturing, finance, uh, lean and six sigma, how to manage up and down the org chart, which is vital. And uh, of course, it taught me a ton about technology. Uh, I, I would say the auto industry it was, without question, much more advanced to technology at that time. And, and I would even venture to say it still might be in some ways. Uh, from my work there, I received a great deal of attention. Oddly enough, from the auto work became healthcare. People started to, to recognize me and started to talk with me. Uh, I started in healthcare, as you noted, in operations, not IT, which would surprise a lot of people. And I have to say that was a blessing since I learned how uh, hospitals functions from all aspects. Uh, I'm not sure I would have got that same schooling if I'd gone right to healthcare tech. So, uh, for example, I learned how to work on such items as left without being seen, patient flow, discharge times, and redesigning uh, emergency departments, which I really enjoyed. So my work with the emergency department redesign, I actually won an award on my very first time I ever worked in healthcare, won angel wings for my improvements of patients and their outcomes. I was also able to work with the city of Los Angeles on their public vaccination clinics at that time. You probably remember the H1N1. And I designed community healthcare uh, fairs uh, for those most in, in need. Uh, for healthcare and won the city of Los Angeles award from the mayor uh, for that. So uh, that, that really helped. And uh, I, I know I'm kind of rattling on here a little bit, but, you know, I, I think the thing that was really changing that got me back into IT was in 2009. I think we all remember a lot of people out there listening to remember the High Tech Act when it came out. And there was this huge need at the time for people who had experience in technology to help with EHR implementations. That's where my, oddly enough, my auto background came into play. Uh, from doing things around warehouse management systems, which are very, very similar to EHR systems, I already had a, a heads up and a, or I guess a leg up on everybody and that I was able to quickly put together work systems and strategies to implement EHRs. I knew the integration already of applications. I've been doing that for years and nobody else in, in healthcare been doing that. I knew about RF scanning and, 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 and much more of those type of things, which really led to good things for my career in healthcare and, and as soon as that was going on, I became an enterprise executive within a, a year or so, which is odd, and had several healthcare systems talking with me. Uh, from there, my technology and operational understanding led to becoming chief of staff at a large healthcare organization with 40 hospitals and 300 clinics. So there's no question that um, I have to admit that they, I had some good timing, fortunate timing, I'd say, uh, but the hard work did pay off and became a major system CIO in a short period of time. So uh, with all that added, I guess the, the last part of my story for the last 11 years, I've been working at Cornell University teaching courses and even for a while was the vertical lead of leadership at Cornell. No, I, I want to get into a little bit of that in a bit, you know, the things that you're doing sort of on the side uh, in education in particular. I, I mean, I think you may have answered it already, but, you know, maybe there's one or two other things, you know, how these previous roles sort of prepared you for your current role. Oh, I think that's, uh, and I'm going to say that, and you've probably found this out too. I don't think I'm going to say anything of, of great wisdom here, but everything you do leads to your next opportunity. And if you really examine your past, you will find that each prior job allows you to, to have a skill set or even gain a skill set that makes you successful. So whether it was the ability to present in front of a crowd, which I, I really don't get, I, I still get nervous. Everybody gets nervous, but I know I can do it. You know, understanding technologies that maybe other people had never been exposed to was a terrible good benefit for me. And, you know, just the ability to see things different. There is a great advantage to being new in an industry or being new to a job title. So uh, I will say you turn your job into one, the one that you want it to be and also the job that's needed. Yeah. No, no, you're, you're very gifted given uh, your background. You know, the other thing about you, you know, it, Will, is that you're pretty good about 
uh, building your brand. And I think you've spoken about it probably at Cornell or some places about uh, brand building. And of course, we all know that uh, the the number one thing is, you know, for our, the companies that we serve, right? And how do we make them famous? But at the same time, um, you, you do have a focus on, on brand. So uh, can you share with us maybe one, two techniques that you'd recommend people uh, utilize to, and, and maybe before that, we'll actually, you know, why is it important to build the brand? Well, I will say that you need to build your brand for one thing I would say, and that is your network. Your network is really your net worth and you have to have some type of a brand. I mean, whether you're a, a company or a person, people see you a certain way. I mean, and you have your, you know, if you want to be McDonald's or Rolex or BMW or whatever you want to be, you, you need to kind of have that, uh, that image. So, Whatever you post needs to be intentional. You need to understand what you're posting and how. So I, I would say that that the techniques that you talk about, I'll try to, I, I, it's a really good, tough question. I, I'd say the first thing is observation. You know, we observe things informally. I, and I always believe that. So as, as you're posting things, you know, pay attention to the, you asked for the tips around your, pay attention to the things around you and the people around you. Uh, when posting pictures, be careful of the surroundings. I'll also say from that, that brand when you're building it, and I know you do a lot of public speaking too, in person. You know, leadership is 24-7 and not 8 to 5. Uh, so, you know, you can damage your reputation with one or two out-of-character acts live. So be careful there. Uh, also understand the importance and I, of, of how you dress. And I know you're a very fashionable guy and I understand that. Uh, you know, that can impact how people perceive you and what they think of you. And I, I'll say lastly on that, it's just association. And uh, be careful with those that uh, that you mentioned uh, with your your building your brand. You know, whoever you tag yourself with on social media becomes part of who you are. Now, and now I'm thinking of a quote, which I always love my quotes. But uh, you know, as George Washington said, you know, it's better to be alone than in bad company. So I'll, I'll, I, I guess that does that count as one more music comment to mention in bad company? Yeah, right. That's right. Um, no, th- those are really good. Yeah, you gave us like four or five, uh, Will, because I, you know, when you look just at LinkedIn, I mean, could we could be talking about Twitter or Insta or whatever, but uh, in terms of business, you know, oftentimes it's Twitter or LinkedIn. And yeah, I, I think you see some people being unintentional uh, and, and they're doing something that could hurt them. And and sometimes people are really negative about the word brand. And it's like, you you know, I've been told you shouldn't have a brand. Your brand is your organization. Uh, so how do you balance that personal brand versus, you know, humility versus your employer? You know, how, how do you balance all that? Boy, you know, I think that is the most difficult dilemma when you're marketing yourself. And, and for a better lack of words, I can think of right now, I mean, there's guilt by association no matter where you work. So and, and that representation of your organization reflects upon you and you reflect upon them. So I, I guess my comment there would be if you have any questions about what you're posting uh, or you think it might affect your company or you or your status with the company, just don't post it. Don't say it. Don't do it. Right. Uh, we've all been in that, that that situation. You wish you could take something back. So I, I would say, you know, just be careful what you post. It follows you forever. Social media has a very long memory. Yeah, and and you know another thing that people don't realize, it, Will, and you you touched on it tangentially earlier in that you are you do have a brand. Everyone has a brand. Yeah, and if you don't know what that is, that that's a bad spot to be in. So you do need to be intentional, like you're talking about, uh, and really take hold of your brand. And like you said, your your uh, <clears throat> what was the creative way you said it about your net your network is your net worth. Um, and so it's it's really important to to be 
careful with your brand, but you have to be intentional with the brand and it'll pay dividends for both you when you do it right, right? Both yourself and your employer benefit. So uh, there's a careful balancing act there. Now we talked a little bit about your teaching. Um, yeah, so you're at Cornell for over a decade now. Uh, how does that help you in your leadership? And, and do you recommend like for people to take opportunities that they ha- might present themselves to, to teach? I, I do. I, I think that's, I think you said that right. It's an opportunity. I think it's a privilege often too. You know, there, there's great responsibility with teaching and, uh, you know, and, and since it provides, you know, direction, the lives of your students, you, you have to take that responsibility very, very seriously. I mean, I take great pride in, in the, that I've taught at Cornell now for over, you know, over a decade. I also, I've, I've been able to work myself into a nice position where I've, I teach at three different colleges at Cornell, which is kind of unusual. I teach at their Cornell's Industrial Labor Relations School. I'm in the Executive Masters of Healthcare Administration at Cornell Sloan College of uh, Human Ecology. And now I also teach at the Executive Masters of Public Administration program at the Brooks Public Policy with a focus on government employees. So in, in the top that off, I get the, the, the work with General Casey yeah. the last year. Russ, and, you know, if I was not familiar with General Casey, he's a retired four-star general. He was the 36th uh, Chief of Staff of the U.S. Army. Also, he was the commanding general of the multinational uh, forces in Iraq. So uh, the, there, there's a lot to learn there, you know, just hearing yeah. someone like that talk every night. And and I, I guess I would say this to kind of like sum this up is that I also believe that my role in teaching is to create thought leaders who can create more leaders. And I think that's when I talk to people about leadership, your role is to create more leaders. And I, and, you know, and I, I try to take a very pragmatic approach to teaching. And I like to tell my students that if you believe everything you read, hear, or see during my class, then I failed. You know, when you teach, you need to provide leadership as your words do make difference and they can either be negative, positive on people. Uh, and, I, and I should, I, I should have kind of a, a can't really forget the, the see this. And I, I mean, and I've learned this from you too, over the years, the last few years, I mean, you're really good about this, but I get a lot of, of, of pride out of teaching, but also I gain a lot too. Yeah. I work with a lot of executive students that are very advanced in their abilities to lead. I learn a lot from my students and I, I get exposure to many industries that I normally would not have exposure to. So it, it's a two way street. I'm learning a lot you know, from them too. Yeah. That's really a huge benefit. Like you said, not only do you get to invest in the next generation of leaders, uh, but you also learn yourself and it keeps you fresh. I remember doing a lot of chime boot camps and every, you know, twice a year I'd learn the fundamentals of being a good uh, tech leader. And it's like, great, I needed it. Cause I keep forgetting, you know, and I had to have it. <laughs> uh, but that also helps with your brand. Uh, so, you know, you're known as, Oh, this uh, leader of leaders, teaching of leaders. Uh, and you also do stuff with like uh, uh, Forbes and, and on their council. And so you've, you've, you've really jumped in. You've not like backed out and you did that again, right. To, to, not only better yourself, but it also uh, helps with your brand. Yeah. And I, it, I, I know we've had this conversation in the past and it's kind of an interesting thing, but I, I really believe sometimes it's just doing that little yeah, extra. Right. It's what separates you from everybody else. And sometimes, you know, there, there's a reason that the, the road less traveled isn't traveled, you know, so not everybody wants to put in the time and effort. So, you know, just an extra hour a day, an extra 20 minutes a day can make all the difference in everything yeah. to make the difference between how you perform health wise, you know, uh, sports wise and, and obviously career wise. Yeah. I, there's probably a quote, you, you might know it, but something like the, the last mile there, no one's on the last mile. Um, yeah. So always take that last mile because everyone else yep. is already taken off, gotten their beer or whatever. 
you, you get to you get that last mile and you get to do some pretty cool things and 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 such you're also a historian so one of my favorite parts serving together will we had these daily huddles and uh, whenever it came to your uh huddle it was like this day in history uh how did that come about and uh, and then you know why do you continue to be a historian well, that's funny. I, I don't know if I'm a historian, but uh, I love uh, history. I've always felt it's a difference maker in, in my career and in other people's careers, too. And I've always enjoyed reading it. It is a little kid. I still do it. Uh, I started it. Uh, I, I've done it not only at work, but I've done it with my students. The idea, and that's a good question. How did it start? The idea, and I actually remember this. The idea started when I heard an executive tell a group that this is the worst thing that ever happened. And I thought his words just as poor leadership and really unacceptable. And um, where I see the benefit in, in this, it's, it's, it's interesting. One, I, I always see that history provides perspective and guidance. You know, you get the lessons learned that you normally wouldn't get. And you get the, uh, the audience's attention with something interesting, such as picture yourself, France, December 2nd, 1804, the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris. Napoleon Bonavard is crowned emperor the first Frenchman to hold the title of emperor in 1,000 years. You know, you, you get people's attention when they hear that. It also augments your key points and messaging. And I'm also a firm believer that those who uh, forget history, or maybe those who don't know history, are condemned to repeat it. Yeah, no, that, uh, good point. And, and also, I mean, the storytelling, even in the 22nd example you gave that, right? Yeah, it's a different... Uh, you, you learn how to, uh, you're a very good storyteller and you can use those stories to make points and you get people's attention by the way that you speak. So even in that little snippet there, you know, your, your voice changed, your intonation changed. Uh, so you, you learn, uh, from that too. And then you use that in life, you know, that capability. So, um, I'm just reinforcing why it's important, uh, not only to get that perspective, as you said, and, uh, and the guidance from history and not to repeat, uh, hit the bad history, but there's these t intangible things that like we were just talking about that really help. So I, I used to love it. What is the, so you're, you're used to giving a lot of advice to people. We've, you've already gave many examples here. What is an important piece of advice that someone gave you? Mm. You know, I, I've been lucky. Uh, I've had very good mentors over the years. I've also seeked out mentorship and coaching over the years because there, there's no reason not to it, no matter what level you're at you. You can always learn from someone else. I'd say the the item when I was young that uh, I someone told me, and I've never forgot it to this day, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, and that is you own your career and no one else will care as much about your well-being as you do. So my comment there would be, you know, don't wait on others to help you help yourself. And as I've grown older, something that I've heard a few people say, and, I, and it makes perfect sense, and that is don't be worried about reinventing yourself when you need it to or when you're in a rut. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So you're obviously very accomplished, Will. You know, you've got this super important role at a great organization. You uh, teach on the side because, you know, you don't, there's too much time on your hands teaching and then you're doing music. Uh, how do you recharge your batteries and remain fresh? How do you keep fresh? You know, this is something over the years I have not really probably excelled at, and it's a miss on my own behalf. I've recognized this now as I've gotten older that the importance of getting away and taking that break. But um, I would say something I've always done, I've always stayed in fairly good shape, and I've really kind of been hitting it again over the last six months and trying to really get back in great shape. So exercise, I find that when I'm really stuck or frustrated, 
Uh, nothing works better than a good workout. And throughout my life, I found in, that, you know, if you're really stuck on a situation or, or a solution to something, it's amazing what a good run can do for you. You just yeah. got out there running and, you know, listen to music, your mind's off it. And all of a sudden, a solution will just pop in your head. It's like, man, yeah. where, was I, where was that a half hour ago or two hours ago? So exercise, I think that's something everybody can benefit from. Yeah. I mean, it's really good. Yeah. Like you're saying, take a break from the electronics, go, if you can't run, walk, um, do something that's, you know, not work. And, and a lot of times ideas and inspiration, uh, will come to you and you, um, sort of get recharged and refreshed. Um, we talked earlier about music quite a bit and you're a guitarist. I remember we'd have meetings with, uh, with someone around the world and you'd notice a guitar on their wall or something, and you were able to predict, oh, that, or, or not predict, but but uh, identify. That's a 1946 Les Paul three or whatever that it might have been. Um, but obviously, music's super important to you. Have you seen a correlation between uh, music, your career, your work? Is there any sort of correlation, or is it just pure hobby downtime type thing? Yeah, it's become uh, n- not enough hobby anymore. I don't play quite as well as I used to, and it's, that can be frustrating. But I think that uh, music's an interesting thing to me, and that is music has odd patterns, yet logical at the same time. And I always say that, you know, playing and writing music makes you think deeply. Uh, and what it really, I, I find, is that it makes your mind and your body really become one. Uh, definitely helps with creativity, you know, especially if you're trying to write something uh, creative. So in uh, a something I've noticed with music over the years, you know, some of the most ugly sounding notes when combined together, they can create, you know, the most beautiful sound. So there's nothing, there's nothing perfect in music. It just isn't life. You know, there's, there's things that don't make sense, but they, they still seem good. And uh, there's people out there. Oh, give me an example. You know, if you're ever wondering what I'm talking about, just toss on a Thelonious Monk uh, album or a King Crimson album and, you know, just listen to that for a half hour. And it's just, it's all over the place. Some of it doesn't make sense, but it just sounds so great at the end. You know, it just had me thinking, and I, I'm just stuck on this, this band, but this tune, um, now, which I forgot, but the Beatles, right? They, everyone, they're, they're cla- right. They, they brought in a whole new generation of music and, and you don't realize how different it is until you listen to it by track, by voice track. So the harmonies, right? You, when you listen as a kid or whatever, even as an adult, you're not realizing how different the, and again, I'm going to use all the wrong musical terms, much to the chagrin of yourself and my uh, youngest son, but you don't realize that they are in completely different levels. So John Lennon singing and Paul McCartney singing. And if you'd listen to them individual track, it sounds horrible. I mean, it sounds like, what, what's that? That's sort of weird. But when the tracks are laid over one another, it's like this beautiful harmony. And, uh, it was just an eye opener for me. And it made me think about work, right? Like when you work with someone, you don't want to work with someone like yourself all the time, right? Like yourself, like your own digital twin or whatever. It's always great to work with someone else that's different, a clinician or whatever, uh, someone, you know, having a diverse relationship because together you make this, you know, sort of this beautiful sound. I totally agree. Yeah. Now I'm going to rack my brains for, you know, what's, what song was that but anyways almost all the Beatles songs are like that that people listeners should listen to one track at a time and uh they'll see what I'm talking about hey Will we talked about so many things uh your career talked a lot about music got some new music ideas like that which haven't been shared uh, on previous episodes and then we talked about uh the brand which I think is super uh important and uh you gave a lot of advice about brand building uh and then you talked a lot about uh leadership and and the role that 
that we all play in leadership and storytelling, history, everything. We covered a ton of stuff. Um, and we talk about how do we remain fresh ourselves and reinvent sort of quote unquote, reinvent ourselves. Um, what did I miss? Or is there something that you want to double down on as kind of the final word? I just, I, I guess just thinking about things and I, I always get reflective when I, when I, when I talk with you, cause I learned so much. I just say, you know, especially around this time of year, I like to tell people to take a few minutes to think about, uh, you know, the blessings in your life. I think that that's something that I've got to remind myself to do a lot. There, there's a lot of good things that happen in life too. And I think it's important to do that and, you know, to spend time with your, your friends and family and be positive about your future. Uh, you know, I, I was just thinking, I don't want quotes are popping in my head, maybe because you're talking about history. Now I'm kind of reflecting back on our huddles, but, you know, I know this quote's been attributed to a thousand people, but, you know, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And yeah. I find this is good advice for the individual, good advice for myself right now, and also good advice for an industry such as healthcare that often looks for help. I think healthcare needs to take that, that approach more often, you know, to, to create its future and stop, you know, trying to predict things. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good word to end on. Although I did remember the name of that Beatles song that I was thinking about. It's uh, if I fell, if I fell in love with you. And if we had practiced, if we will, if we would have had talked about this ahead of time, I could have had you do the McCartney uh, line and I would have done the uh, Lennon line and we would have done it individually. And people say, what the heck is that? But then when we sang it together, they would know why you and I work together so well. So, uh, hey, I, I really appreciate you being a guest. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's great seeing you, Ed. All right. That wraps up Digital Voices. Stay tuned for our next drop. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.